When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hey guys, I'm Moshin over here. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Key. Moshi Key. Um Moshin it up in the pit, in the Sarlacc pit. I'm Nick. <laughs> Nick in the pit. What's up? <laughs> and we have a guest, special guest, good friend of the pod, member, member, a full-fledged member. Anyone peeps about it? Okay, um... <laughs> Our buddy Dano is here from the Dano channel. That's, God. Hey, thanks for bringing me back on, guys. Let's talk about some mosh. Beavis and Butthead mosh. Yeah. And mosh hard. I didn't watch the new uh, the new movie yet. The movie is awesome, great. and the yeah, series yeah. is even better. Oh, There's a series, wow. Okay. too? Wow. Yeah. I'm missing out. They're, they're watching TikTok and YouTube videos now and social media stuff. Perfect. Wow. Perfect. Okay. The first one is a girl reacting to her letter from the college she applied to. And she freaks out, you know, and she's crying and her mom was like, yeah, I won't spoil it. It's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> okay. I'm running, not walking to that. <laughs> and the second video is a dude showing how to make tattoo ink in prison. <laughs> wow. It's, it's really, yeah. really funny. What a concept. Just Beavis and Butthead on the internet. Yeah. What a concept. That's great. Be Avis. And the skits are really good too. They're like the first ones about, they end up going to an escape room and wow, I don't want to spoil Update. it, but. <laughs> so it's gonna it's just gonna be them traveling through time to watch TikTok videos and and go do trendy shit. Well, I think basically. they traveled through time and now they're just here. Okay, so it just picks up from here. They're the same age, yeah, like us. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, tonight we're talking about Mosh Eisley, the event, the party that we threw at Star Wars Celebration a few months ago. That's a catchy name. That's a catchy, catchy name. Whose idea was that? Was it Mike? I think I'm going to give it my, I'm going to give the credit to Mike. I'm pretty sure it was Mike. Sounds like a Mike. Clever boy. He's a smart guy. My favorite, my favorite clever little puns are always like, just add one letter to things. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about my favorite Oasis cover band name? (laughs) Please do. I saw it in, uh, somewhere in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) Oasis. They just added an H. If if you guys are Oasis. If anyone is is a fan of that kind of uh, that like that type of humor, follow at Josh Portman, the bassist of Yellow Card. He's the king. He's the absolute king of like alternate band names and like pun <laughs> band names and stuff like that. It's just nice. super quick on his feet in conversation. We'll see, like he's gonna be mad he didn't think of Oasis when I tell him. <laughs> well, he's got an eighties so cover good. band, right? He, yeah, Great White Lion Snake. <laughs> right. <laughs> really rolls off the tongue. He's the lead guitarist, Jeff Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> one f <laughs> the best uh the best oasis joke i've ever heard isn't like a spoken joke it's in the movie yesterday Has yes I've seen seen it? It? it's the no. beatles movie yeah i know what it is yeah yes so the premise is this dude gets hit by a bus when he wakes up from being knocked out the beatles don't exist they never existed That's he's the only one on the planet apparently only, yeah yeah so as he's realizing he's freaking out, people are like, the Beatles? Like what like the insect? And he's like, No, John, Paul, George, Ringo? Like like 
No? Okay. What the f-? So he goes, he goes to the internet and he starts Googling. He's like, the Beatles. It brings up a Wikipedia article for Beatle. And, you know, he tries it again. He says, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And I think it brings up something about, like, the apostles or something, the you know? Apostles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The apostles. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, what else? And he looks down. He kind of pauses for a second. And he types in Oasis. <laughs> They're not there either. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, Mosh Eisley. So this past May at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, we threw an event, an after party, that Saturday night, the weekend of Star Wars Celebration. And in short, it's Star Wars Emo Night. We did it at Chain Reaction in Anaheim, an old punk rock club. We've talked about it on the podcast, but if you're a new listener, you're learning about it now. For folks who haven't been to an emo night or aren't familiar with, you know, you don't listen to emo or punk, you're not kind of into that scene. It's essentially like a themed night at a bar where they would play, you know, a certain genre or whatever, but it's a lot more. It's more like a concert than just like what they're playing on the jukebox if jukebox still exists, um, at a bar. But uh, Ryan Key, you've done a ton of these. You've DJed a bunch of these with Emo Night Brooklyn. So why don't you kind of talk about your experience and give the listeners the vibe? So so in 2015, uh, Yellow Card was on tour with Newfound Glory. For the first time, actually, surprisingly, in, in our career, we were on the road together other than Warp Tour. Anyways, it was our first tour at natural venues together, co-headlining. And um, at that, it was right around the time when these air quote emo night events were, were popping up. And I think within the scene, within the, you know our genre of music, they were a little controversial. Like some people were like, not stoked on it. Some, you know, some, some people were very vocal about, and then other people were DJing the events, right? So we were showing up the events. So I probably fell into the category of like, what the f*** is that? Like, I don't understand. It's, it's people on stage with a laptop playing my music to, to, you know, or our music or whatever to a crowd. So I was very confused by the concept at the, at the beginning of it. However, then I was asked to, I'm again, air quoting DJ, one of these events after the Newfound Glory and Yellow Card show in, of all places, which we'll get to tonight, Las Vegas. But I was a little bit nervous because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to DJ. I don't know how to DJ. What's D, you know, I'm going to have to like cut up all these songs and beat match all this stuff. And they were like, no, 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 dude, fans don't want you to do that. They literally just want you to choose songs, press play. turn it up as loud as the venue will let us and they lose their minds like they're at a rock show. I'm like, Just okay, party. well, that's great. So I still walked into it though. Honestly, full disclosure, I still walked into it a little jaded. This is this is a time in my life pre sort of like self-improvement and mental health caring about myself and like who I was as a person. So I was still kind of a salty asshole at times about things. And I walked onto the stage sort of feeling that way about this event. I was immediately won over, mind changed, blown away. The crowd was losing their minds, dude. Like full on raging rock and roll show, kids pouring over the barricades, security like (laughs) not able to keep up. And it was just me up there with a bottle of wine and a laptop, you know? (laughs) And I was, you know, it was at that moment. And I think that was a really good actually and why I celebrate these these parties and these experiences so much now. And I've done so many of them because it was a really eye-opening experience for me to recognize a, a wrong attitude within myself because I looked out there and I thought, if a group of people are having that much fun and and enjoying their lives and enjoying each other and enjoying music in whatever capacity it is, how can I have an attitude about that? Or how can mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's weird? I think that's really what it was. It wasn't an attitude. It was just, yeah. we, uh, uh, many of us, I think, in the early days of it thought it was kind of weird that there were these other guys using our music to put on these shows. Mm-hmm. Well, to anyone out there in a band that still thinks it's weird, go do one of the events. It will change your mind yeah. um, to watch the crowds. And I've done, I've done, 
shit. I've, I've probably done 300 more or more of them since 2015. Out of the, I've done shows in Europe. I've done shows in Singapore. I've done shows in Australia. I, I love it. I love it. I get off on it now. It's super, super fun. And it's a big outlet for me to be able to be on stage and still enjoy rock and roll with fans because I don't have the band anymore, you know? So in a nutshell, it, it, it's a party. It's a, you, you can come with your friends. It's not, you know, it's not like going to a show where you're just watching the one band. You get to celebrate all the bands you love with your closest friends in a mosh pit. And we do one where you get to dress up in Star Wars costumes. So you guys take it from here because regrettably, I was not able to attend the first Mosh Eisley event because my cousin was getting married on the same day. Selfish of your cousin. <laughs> to, to piggyback on what you said about it feeling weird, I think we all felt weird, but it's kind of a strange... When it, when it all started to come out, it felt weird for sure. But it's kind of this weird like standard that we all felt because why would that be any different than going to any club listening to dance music or... Exactly. 100%. We all felt weird for no reason. Like we all needed to like... Totally. Go take a lap, you know? Like, yes, <laughs> or do one of the shows. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, we all do. Bayside's done them. I've done a ton. I'm doing one. I think you're doing one this month, Ryan. I'm doing one. I'm one doing out two here. this month. I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in uh, Mi- Minneapolis and and Easton, Pennsylvania this month. I love yes. it. I love them. Yeah. It's so fun. The idea to do one of these for Star Wars Celebration came from partly just the idea of having some kind of gathering for listeners, for patrons, something. And Mike was bringing this up early, like, dude, we should lock down a bar, a venue, something. We should have a meetup. And whether it's just a thing to network and get people together, get people talking about the podcast and connecting, or it's a legit party with a legit cover, we should do it regardless. And then Nick brought up having done a similar kind of thing at Celebration 2019 in Chicago, and it really snowballed into this thing where we realized we could have a full-blown Star Wars-themed emo night because here we are, three dudes in emo punk bands, and it seemed perfect. So Nick... We didn't know each other at the time. I mm-hmm. I was at Celebration, but I didn't know you did this thing. So tell the listeners a little bit about the one that you did then. What's fun about these emo nights is that there's kind of two competing bigger ones that tour the country, but there's probably no major city or smaller city, I guess, at this point that doesn't have their own version of it because it's such a low cost, simple thing that people want to attend. So my, uh, my buddy in Chicago, Brian Buckley does something called emo versus punk or punk versus emo. I forget. And it's just that beauty bar in Chicago. So he had seen that I was going to be in Chicago. He did it on a Sunday night and it's actually slightly a different format. It's very kind of more like mingling. There's no that everyone's looking at kind of a dj booth you play music and then there's just people there chilling yeah so that's another version that i'm sure exists like any themed night like hair metal night at so-and-so bar like uh yeah i've done both kinds as well not not with emo night brooklyn but nick i've done the you know the same deal where like it's not like the full-on barricade rock show yeah so i wound up doing that you know it was the sunday night of celebration 2019 in chicago so that year in particular was five days so there was also a monday celebration which was kind of wild so we wound up doing it and in my head i was like i hope anyone shows up it's like 20 minutes away from the convention center it wound up snowing that night it was a sunday night but one of the holdovers from 2019 emo night for me was alex black series rebels we did a pin drop there and it was specifically the black series rebels ben solo shirtless you know with his pants pulled all the way up <laughs> they, they dropped that yeah, That's why it's, it all <laughs> so makes they, sense. they dropped that pin there and they had you know they have a good fan base so there was 
we showed up and there was 50 people lined up and I was like, oh man, okay. 20 minutes away from the convention. It's snowing. It's Sunday night. We're going to have a good time. So, you know, we probably did a little over a hundred people on a Sunday night and I had a blast. And when we started to talk about potentially doing this again, I was like, you know what? I feel really good about a chain reaction sized venue, you know, a 400 cap because think about everything I just said, Sunday night snowing 20 minutes away from celebration. And we still did over a hundred people. I'm like, I think we could potentially sell out chain. Like we should aim to sell out chain reaction. And, uh, we sold it out in about a week, which is great because it was a Saturday night. There was no snow. It was about five minutes from the convention. So all those things were definitely, uh, in our favor for, Mosh Isley. So yeah, I mean, we have experience doing this, even besides us all being bands, we've all been involved in these emo nights for about seven years now. And they're just a lot of fun. And why not do our own version where we all get to dress up and have lightsabers? It's such a special thing. And for us, for this group, especially, it was like a next level special thing. And I'm super bummed, Ryan, that you weren't there. I mean, we got to FaceTime you in, but it wasn't the same as you being there, obviously, because we did this with Dano, who's here with us. We did it with Sarah and Steven from Princess and Scoundrel and Mike from Hondo Supply and Armor Party. We had gotten to know each other remotely over the pandemic through social media, through the podcasts. But I don't think, aside from the three of us here on Thank the Maker, we none of us had met in person, right? None of the groups had met each other in person, right? Prior to Star Cruiser, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Prior to prior to start, and even that was just the two days. Yeah. Yeah. And then really nothing until Mosh Isley night that Mm -hmm. Saturday. Because even during celebration, we didn't really all hang out. Like we were so busy doing our own things that it wasn't until Mosh night that we actually were all in the same room again at the same time. So we had this amazing connection at Star Cruiser. It was this incredible shared experience that was nothing like any of us had ever done in our lives, and. It really felt like we've talked about this before, like the connection that you make on tour or I, you know, I can imagine like kids at summer camp, whatever you spend a short amount of time really close sharing all the same stuff together and you create this really intense bond. So then to come back with those same people and put on this event together and not only be able to party, but to bring something to fruition that was just kind of an idea that snowballed into something big and awesome and then have it become as successful as it was. It was life-changing for me. It was the best party I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. I mean, Rub we it definitely, in. <laughs> <laughs> a little behind the scenes uh, look here is basically from about Star Cruiser, maybe March until Celebration, after we would record every Tuesday night, we would have like an hour-long Mosh Isley meeting just planning it all. And besides it being the most fun, there was this crazy sense of relief where, you know, we're all in bands and we kind of all get told where to go, what to do, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. And this was something that we put on without a booking agent or any management or anything. And for it to... No parents, no adults. Dishes are done, <laughs> man. Mean, there was probably some parents there. We had there a Sarah, though. We had a Sarah. Yeah. There were parents So there was a stage. mom involved somewhere. <laughs> But for it to all like go off smoothly, that was a really good feeling. On top of it being like a lot of fun. It was funny though when we showed up, I felt myself kind of snap into tour manager mode, which I've never been a tour manager, but I was like checking on everyone, making sure everything's going right, blah, blah, blah. But then once seven o'clock hit and the doors are open, I'm like, that's it. As long as this place doesn't burn down right now, we're good. We did yeah. <laughs> like we're fine. Just have fun now. And it and yeah, it, everything went well. And 
really the reaction was the best part. We knew we were going to have fun, but the reaction of people who attended it, what they post on social media and just being in that room, you could tell people really were having a genuine good time. You know, what more could we want? That's what we wanted and it happened. So hell yes. Let's do it again. <laughs> it's happening. So Dano, you're a punk rock kid. Yeah. You've been into all the same stuff as us since uh yeah, not so since, much emo more more punk and ska weird enough but yeah punk ska yeah you you and mike are more of the <laughs> the punk kids than the the emo kids yeah do you play instruments have you did you ever play in bands Guitar. yeah so uh not officially in bands no nothing that did anything it's kind of noodled around and you know did yeah. that kind of garage stuff i know mike plays drums and played drums and i'm pretty sure he played some shows in high school and whatnot but i don't know I don't know if he's played like legit shows. If he was here, he would have an answer, obviously. But to see you guys on stage and Sarah just owning the stage was... Yeah, I was going to say from the pictures I saw, it looked like mom's night out to me. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she and Mike especially just raged. Like there's oh, that one yeah. picture Those of Mike in, in full lead singer jump, knees up to his chest. You know what I mean? <laughs> Multiple jumps. The video clip of that is beautiful. We'll, oh, we'll be sure to post it on our, on our Instagram. I told him, I'm like, it looked like... Just out of frame as a trampoline. That's how you're consistently your <laughs> That's drumming. That's how we jump. It was amazing. It was, it was yeah. It was so great. funny. So what was it like for you up on stage? Because it, it was a lot like a show, like Ryan's saying. It's, yeah, it's a DJ night, but it's, it's like it, a show. And for me, someone, someone who's not in bands and real, I mean, sure, I, I play instruments, play guitar, whatever, but never have I been in that position of being on stage like that. It was totally foreign to me. It was all totally, totally foreign to me. And even... Looking back on the night, I did a lot of my time in the crowd. I was actually yeah. not so much on stage. I was more in the crowd with people. Um, so I got to see that real reaction from people firsthand next to them, all going crazy, watching along with with them. So I got more of the fan experience, too. It was it was just wild to actually be up there. It was something I'd never felt before, really, just to like be up there. And I was doing a lot of the Instagram stories, trying to capture the moment as it happened. So I was still very much in work mode, still having a great time. But just being able to, like, capture everybody from the stage perspective, looking into that crowd and seeing how into the into it they all were singing along, you know, their head, like everybody's head banging, like moshing. We split the pit. There was red lightsabers on one side, all other colors on the other. Everybody's singing along to Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as someone never in a band, I've never felt that energy before. And there is a certain high that you get from it. And so I, I kind of see, I see where you guys, what you love about that so much. And it was a, it was a really cool and beautiful thing that we got to do it with Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, that was the best part for me. Like there were times where I'm like, oh, Katan is singing Fallout Boy right now. This is yes. crazy. <laughs> and we have, you know, Boba Fett's on stage. We brought Vader out. There's stormtroopers walking around, air guitaring. Like it was, it was wild. And it's something you described, you know, the emo nights that you've been to before and you've done, but I don't think those can compare because they don't have Star Wars attached to them. Yeah. There's not all these characters and everybody else in the crowd that much more invested and dressed up and swinging their lightsabers. Like it, it added such a different level than what a typical emo night could achieve yeah. just because of the costuming and just adding Star Wars to the mix. Uh, the thing I keep saying about it is it's one thing to kind of have your group and have a shared experience with other people who all love the same band or all love the same fandom and you're at a convention or you all love the same movies. So everyone goes at opening night to see the sequel, whatever. But when you take two of those things that happen to kind of coincidentally be as linked as 
emo music and Star Wars are in a way that I'll explain shortly. It's so next level because talk about being with your people. It's the most narrow slice of these are my people kind of Mm -hmm. thing that for people like us who've played thousands of shows in our lives for it to be that emotionally overwhelming was something that I've been missing for the longest time. You know what I mean? I it's it's been a long time since I was on stage just going, I can't believe this is happening right now. I can't believe I'm living this moment. You know what I mean? It's been it's been 15 years probably. So, it's it's hard to overstate how special it was and how special it will be again for the next one and the next one. So, I if you're listening, you you got to be there. But um here's something I'll say and I may have said this on the podcast. I may have said this when we talked about celebration on on your channel, Dano, but I had this realization that weekend at Celebration, maybe the day of Mosh Eisley. The age group that our podcast listeners right now, our YouTube viewers, the folks that are fans and listeners and subscribers to our podcasts and, and channels are the prequel generation. And they're also the emo generation. Emo went mainstream for all of these folks when they were in high school. And they all experienced the prequels as 10, 11, 12-year-olds kind of around that era. So it's these these two parts of pop culture that they hold so dearly because it was that time in their life. So not only do they both resonate and resonate together well, but the movies themselves, the prequels, are actually super emo. Anakin is such an emo character. I mean, you think about it. The dude— He hates sand. He hates sand. How he emo became, do you have to be to admit that you hate <laughs> sand? Hate. So— I mean, you think about it, like the most evil piece of shit in the galaxy ultimately got that way because he was obsessively in love with someone and felt slighted by this group of people, felt like an outcast. That's the most emo shit you can think of, Yeah, you know? Yeah, that's a hit record in 2005 (laughs) for sure. Talking about burning and my eyes burn and my hands are at your throat and all that shit. Pulled his hood up. He started yelling. Yes. So emo. So hot topic, dude. So... It's perfect. And that hit me that day. Like I have goosebumps about this like epiphany that I had. And then you think about the original trilogy. It's super f***ing punk rock. It's about fighting the man, the resistance against the, it's, it's very counterculture. You know what I mean? The scrappy mm-hmm. little group of, yeah. of rebels, you know, with their kind of cobbled together shit. You know, the rebellion is like a punk rock denim jacket with the sleeves cut off with patches on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's what the rebellion yeah. kind of is in a way. So this event, punk rock and emo, couldn't be more perfect, you know, with a Star Wars theme wrapped around it. And we just stumbled into this shit. Like, for a while, as, the, as Thank the Maker was starting to get a, a real listener base, I remember, Ryan, you talking all the time about, dude, I, I just read a review, and it was this person who clearly is not a fan of our bands, called me William, you know, this kind of shit. Like, we were doing well enough that it seemed like we were going to transcend our fan bases and, and get a larger listener base, which we have. But I think it, it, it would have been unwise for us to just fully stray away from and not embrace this intersection of these two fandoms that we have. And it, it's turned out to be like kind of our niche. And we talk about Star Wars a lot of times. And, you know, if we're talking about the creators of Star Wars, we talk about it from a creator perspective as musicians. We make analogies and so on. So it's just, it's just all so perfect. It just seems like the force at work. My hope with that would be that when we do talk about our time as musicians and our, our how we've, you know, come together as friends and our experiences and how they relate to what, what whatever we're talking about Star Wars related, that it's okay that we didn't abandon that because to someone 
where where it gets really exciting for us is going to be that we cross over into just Star Wars fandom, right? That that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. That's such a big thing for us to achieve and feel like an achievement. Like we we have, I just said achievement nineteen times in a row. Um, <laughs> to feel like we've we, we've, we feel like we've expanded beyond the the fan base, as you say, of, of our bands and and built this broader listener base. But for those people that are not fans of the bands or even our genre or, or style or rock and roll at all. I think it's in, I hope, I, I don't want to be, you know, don't get cocky kid. I don't want to mm-hmm. say that I know that it's interesting, but I would hope that it's just interesting for people who are coming to the pod to listen to us talk about Star Wars and then find it interesting to hear these life stories we have and these experiences we have through music and, and having the opportunity in our lives to perform music at the level that we, we've gotten to do it. And so I, I think it does bring a whole new element. And what's, I guess my point is that it's interesting where you, you would have thought maybe it was the other way around. Like we would have had to totally lean on and rely on just the fans of the band. But I think it's actually the other way around where we're, we get listeners because they're like, wait, I love Star Wars, but these dudes are also talking about something I don't know anything about, you know, this world of music that I don't know anything about. And that's super interesting to me. So I think it's been, as you say, the force at work or, you know, a perfect storm, however you want to word it. Daniel, you have a face like you were about to say something. Well, just as an outsider, like, you know, we've met within the last, what, eight to ten months or so. Mm -hmm. I would describe it more as the way your intersection of what you do with the bands and Star Wars fandom is you don't wear the band thing like armor, but you keep it in your holster. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not something that you guys surround yourself with as far as the podcast goes. That's the Star Wars. Your armor is a Star Wars fandom. That's it. But you keep that the band stuff. It's in your holster. It's there. And it's useful and it use it in the right way. So it's kind of to jive with what you're saying there, Ryan, like this podcast is fandom first. It's more Star Wars fandom first, but that band thing is still there and it's still useful. And now that we have Mosh coming in, it's, it's all, it's all coming to play. It's I cool. think everybody beginning- seems to be coming around. <laughs> I just think, I think at the beginning though, when it was just Adam and I starting this thing at the early days, I mean, there was like an unspoken fear of like, we're going to cap out or we're, we're going to hit a cap at like people, the reach we have on social media and the reach we have to fans of story of the year and yellow card. And then that might be it. Like, what are we going to do? And so that story that Adam told about me reading that review, I mean, that was sort of a monumental moment for me to realize it's happening, dude. Like we, maybe we reached that cap, but we've gone past it where we are now reaching just Star Wars fans looking for interesting Star Wars content, you know, or exciting Star Wars content. We have transcended that and most importantly, retained those initial listeners that gave us the love and support because they loved our music. And they, and they, even if they weren't fans of Star Wars, they were telling people about the podcast. They were listening to the podcast because they just wanted to hang and hear what we were doing. Because that's what one of the coolest things about our community of music and, and our bands and what we do is that really intimate level of support uh, and devotion you get from from fans that support what you do. And that's how the podcast got off the ground. But I would compare this to like, independent band gets signed to a major label and all the fans are like, you know, middle finger, get lost. (laughs) I think, I think fans of this are because star Wars is such an incredible fandom and community of people that's so broad and worldwide and, and crosses so many generations. Our fans are not like, Oh, you're too big. Now they're stoked because there's more star Wars people. It's like the yeah. bigger the podcast gets, the more stoked the initial music fans that are also Star Wars fans get because they're now part of an even bigger community of Star Wars lovers. So it's like it's like a good thing if we get on a major label with the podcast, you know, kind yeah. of if you think about it that way. Dude, I, I think there is 
there's maybe another potentially with this, this next event, there's another kind of milestone that we might have where we might see people like one of you were saying earlier who show up for the emo night and are introduced to star Wars or introduced to this world from another angle and then get something else out of it. Like drew producer drew who's on here with us has been around helping with the podcast. I mean, almost since the beginning, not a huge star Wars fan, but drew and I drove out to celebration together and Drew kind of just came along for the hang because we're friends and it's like, hell yeah, I'll go to California and hang out at Celebration and just party. Yeah, sounds sick. But we were having conversations after and Drew, chime in if you like. Drew was like, dude, I want to get into this shit, man. That was like, like the coolest night of my life. I didn't say that. I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I- uh, I remember talking to you and Mike in the in the room, like after a celebration. I was just talking about how, yeah, I wasn't really into the whole Star Wars thing. I mean, not on your guys' level. I mean, I watched the movies and you know stuff like that, but just the uh, the whole community and like you know everybody dressing up, doing the cosplay thing, and everybody was super excited. And everybody was like, I don't know, it's just like this family, you know. And I know that like people talk about, you know, there's people that they like the. Uh, the prequels or they don't like the prequels or like blah, blah, blah. And there's kind of like a little bit of toxic fandom here and there, but at celebration, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. So it, it was just like an awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it. And, you know, even though I'm not like a huge star Wars fan, I was like, I'm, I'm on board, you know, <laughs> it was pretty sick. And it was awesome to see you also at the event. Cause it got, we've talked so much about, taking trips and doing things and talking, you know, you've, you've shot behind the scenes stuff for my band and whatnot. It felt like we were on tour for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, in the hotel room, just the hotel rooms trashed with like smelly dude stuff everywhere. And like, <laughs> then you're up on stage, just like raging. We're all slamming beers and lightsabers in the air and you're filming. And it, it's just, it was like such a good night. Ryan, again, I'm sorry for rubbing it in, but <laughs> we get another chance to do it. So it's okay. I've, I've got big plans for the next one. So it's okay. Dude, I went, nice. I went nuts at Mosh. Yeah. I went absolutely nuts. Like I almost lost my voice. I was like screaming all the songs at the, you know, the top of my lungs while I was recording and running through the through the crowd with the 360 camera and like messing with people and it was unreal true we need you to get like seven drones for this next one we need drones flying around yeah i got a few i got a few (laughs) (laughs) i think bare minimum (laughs) i think the thing that i was like most because i mean i initially i was very excited to to be there at celebration and my my cousin god love him decided in january to tell the family he was getting married in may and this isn't like Rude. just like oh yeah it's it's my cousin like this is we're really close i had i had to be there but i think one of the things that i'm bummed i, I didn't get to be there for just as i said or you know at the top of the show i've just done so many of these events and i and i feel like one thing that i've really mastered throughout my time doing these these shows is is set list and transitions and you know the actual performing of the music and so i was super amped to like bring that to the show you know um like to sort of bring my my flavor as far as like how I, how I perform an emo night show to, to, to mosh. And, and I didn't get to be there. So I'm excited that I will get to be at the next one and, and hopefully get to play some songs and, and party. Well, let's talk about that now. So the night of the night after, as we we're cleaning up, we're just like, dude, holy shit would happen. And we pretty much immediately started talking about when we could do it again. We talked quite a bit about other cons that we could do this alongside because that's, that kind of makes the most sense. You know, you have a bunch of fans, you have a bunch of enthusiastic fans who are enthusiastic enough, big enough fans to show up to a convention in costume. That's our target 
demographic. That's our target scenario. But with this festival coming up in October, When We Were Young, the festival that broke the internet, the biggest emo bill, punk, screamo, whatever bill ever, it seemed like an opportunity that we couldn't pass up, especially given the fact that it's Halloween weekend on the second weekend of this two-weekend festival. And Dano lives there in Las mm-hmm. Vegas where this festival is happening. So I think too, dude, and I haven't been able, I haven't been in on, on the meetings and stuff. And I, but I, I think that there's something exciting about the fact that Anaheim is only a few hours from Las Vegas and yeah. the fans that were there local to California, which I'm sure there were a great many of out of that sold out venue. It wasn't just people who had traveled from all over to go to celebration. You know, it's people who know that chain reaction is there. That's part of right. the charm of that venue is it's a local spot that everybody knows. And, you know, pe- people that are made aware that we're doing another one just a few hours away are, are going to travel. I mean, it's Vegas, baby Vegas when you live mm-hmm. in Southern California, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think you're going to, we are going to, get a lot of uh, of people that are just psyched to do it again just coming from the first one even you know i hope yeah so it is like we said the second weekend of the when we were young festival it's friday october 28th at a venue a bar called backstage bar and billiards it's on fremont street in downtown vegas kind of old vegas joe pesci vegas yeah <laughs> old school dano you're you're from vegas obviously so i haven't been there what what's the area like it's not like uh it's not the typical like big so casino if you haven't area been right there in a long time no it's not the typical casino stuff it is the old strip but it's been revamped in the last couple of years so it's more hipster cool guy bar now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. like there's a bunch of them down there a lot of cool restaurants uh me and the wife go there probably once or twice a month just to go get good drinks and good food. But this venue is actually a really nice venue. We've seen a lot of shows there. Usually kind of small, like I'm into math rock, so we go see math rock bands there all the time. But no, it's, it's going to be fun. It's a, good, it's a good spot. It's kind of where the locals go to see punk shows, emo shows anyways. So this venue is going to be just the right spot. And it's not super far from when we were young either. Because Vegas isn't a huge, huge town. So it's still right. just like, what, a 10-minute drive from where when we were young is happening. Just down the strip and then downtown, you're there. So yeah. not far, super close. And the casinos that are still over there in that area have like $2 blackjack still. So that's, they do. there's El Cortez like yeah. right across the street. So when you get done with Mosh and you're, you're, you've, you've had a few and you're ready to part with, with whatever cash you can get out of the ATM, $2 blackjack. What's better than that? There you go. I'm sick. We're going to have to portion out one quarter portion some money that we make and go and gamble it. That's that's what I propose. For sure. Yeah. All on black. That shit on black. Credits yeah. will do fine. <laughs> I do have experience. I've actually, Bayside played an acoustic gig there. I want to say either late 2018 or early 2019. So it's a good spot. I'm, I'm definitely stoked to, uh, to head back to that venue. Yeah, it's a good spot. Tickets will be on sale at the time of this episode's release, Friday, August 12th. Go get them and get them fast because... This will sell out. There's going to be like 100,000 people there. and There are going to be a ton of people in town that weekend. So this will sell out. Like not only is it Halloween weekend and when we were young, it's also a Nevada holiday, weird enough. We have mm. our own day, Nevada day. So like everybody's off work that same day we're doing the party. Oof. And so I'm expecting a good amount of locals to show up too. Stoked. So get those tickets quick before they swoop them up. Yeah. And, and just to put into perspective, I know the circumstances are... The same but different, but we sold out Anaheim, Chain Reaction, Mosh Isley in under seven days. Yeah, it was like seven to ten days, something like that. Yeah. And no one had ever heard of it, so here we are now doing the sequel. We're striking back. 
mm-hmm. and it's a little bit bigger of a venue. So we have a little bit more capacity and room to work with, mm-hmm. but just with the amount of people that are going to be here, I would say get them, get them quick just to know you can go. Cause last time that was the thing about last time is we did a ticket buyback thing. That was a whole ordeal where we knew people, some people would cancel and couldn't go. And so we were like, well, let's buy back your tickets and see if we can get them in the hands of people who missed out. And there were way more people who missed out and wanted tickets than we had available. It was, it was kind of heartbreaking to know that that many people couldn't go to our first match event that really wanted to, but it was also, it was neat to know that that many people wanted to go and still couldn't go. Like the FOMO was real that night for people who couldn't make it. And so we want to make sure if you can go give you, giving you guys a proper heads up. Now we're giving you way more time to buy your tickets. We're a couple months out so you can do it and make sure you get there. Cause we don't want you to miss out again. Anything else before we wrap it up and get out of here? Any other things we want to shout out? I came up with a tagline. I didn't tell you guys yet. You ready? Let's hear it. Oh, let's hear it. You ready? I think it's great. Get dressed up and get messed up. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> nice. That's just my like life motto now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what am I going to wear? I got a lot of work to do. Mm. Well, speaking of things to wear, we haven't mentioned this yet. One of the coolest things was how the what to wear the thing went from encouraging people to wear costumes and to bring their lightsabers to people actually customizing their own kind of like crossover mashup emo Star Wars. There's a whole thing. Mosh Eisley aesthetic now. Like, yeah, it, it's like punk vest, but mixed with Star Wars. And oh, it was beautiful. Star Wars patches. And <laughs> yes. yeah, it's like, uh, what's the episode of, um, of Visions with, you know, the. Oh, yeah. The, the punk episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Waver. Yeah, so there's this, like, uh, we're kind of growing this little subculture, this little niche, and it's really exciting. So if you want to go that route, do that. If you want to come in full Jedi, Sith, Empire, whatever, full armor, do it. We're about all of it. It's all welcome. We're going to have merch for sale. We might have lightsabers. We're We're working on that, but bring your own if you have. Bring it if you got it. Yeah, spark them if you got them. (laughs) Dano, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on YouTube at the Dano channel, Instagram and Twitter. The same thing, the Dano channel. I'm always talking Star Wars, toys, lightsabers, droids and whatnot. So if you're into that, come give me a watch. Nick, what do you got going on? Bayside has a new song right now. Came out today. Congrats, dude. So when you're done listening to Thank the Maker, we have a new song called Good Advice. Just came out. I, I'm thinking it's a real nostalgic song. It's fun. I, I'm teasing people saying there's Easter eggs in there because there are some like Bayside, but then also other punk rock Easter eggs. It's a very fun song. So I'm excited about it. Bad luck. Good advice. Yeah. We had a hell of a time recording it. That's all, that's all I'll say about that. It's like the most simple kind of poppy song, but I think we wanted to kill each other while we were recording it. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> no, my band gets along perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude, that's, I mean, come on. That's why my band's done so well for the last five or six years. Because we just were, we just got along so good. But that's it. My children's book is shipping. My cousin got hers. My mom got hers. So if you got one, it should be hitting your mailbox uh, soon. Follow me on Instagram, at Nick Bayside. Willie. Hey guys, uh, you can find me on the socials at William Ryan Key. I have two things to tell you about. One, tomorrow after this podcast airs, I am releasing a new song that's not my song. It's a cover song by Phoebe Bridgers called Smoke Signals. I recorded it about a year ago just for fun in the studio while I was streaming. I really loved the way it turned out. So I put together some artwork and throwing it up on on the streaming services tomorrow. So if you want to just vibe out and listen to some really emo shit, 
as we've talked about all night tonight. Listen to my cover of Smoke Signals tomorrow. You can find me everywhere that you stream music. Same as my socials, William Ryan Key. Or as people in Call of Duty Warzone like to call me when they read my name angry at me after I kill them, William R. Yankee. That's what I get the most, <laughs> William R. Yankee. And then the second thing I've, I've mentioned many times on the podcast, uh, I, have, I have a little electronic project that I've been working on for several years with my dear friend, Ryan Mendez, who was also in Yellow Card. Uh, we, are, we are called JEDA, J-E-D-H-A. If you are listening to this podcast, you, that probably makes a lot of sense to you. We have a new single called Two Piece coming out next Friday, the 19th of August. So if you've missed the pod next week and you don't hear me shamelessly self-promoting as I do, uh, we have a new song that we are so excited and proud of. It's one of our, my favorite things we've done yet. It's super fun. It's super upbeat. It's, you know, I mean, we're doing all instrumental uh, electronic music, but if that's your cup of tea, this song is definitely for you. It's it's the most kind of dancey, just driving fun song we've released to the world yet. So uh, really excited for that. So new music for me tomorrow and also next Friday. Life is good, man. Thank you guys for listening to the pod as always. My stuff is at Adam the Skull on Instagram and Twitter. My band's story of the year has a new song coming out before the end of the month. I can't say the date yet because, and we have a show the 21st, I want to say, a couple weeks in St. Louis. It's an outdoor festival. It's going to be fun. Sebastian Bach is playing. Tech Nine is playing. (laughs) It's going to be a weird cool One of those. (laughs) But anyway, that's happening. And then we've got a tour coming up starting the end of the month, going until September 11th, Midwest over to the East Coast, and then we've got When We Were Young in October. So stuff's happening. Lots of music coming out. It's going to be good. The podcast, Thank the Maker, can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Thank the Maker Pod, on Twitter at Thank the Maker. You can support this podcast and listen and watch along here live like the Jedi Council tier patrons are doing right here at patreon.com slash Thank the Maker Pod. As little as three bucks gets you access to the Discord server and supports this podcast enabling us to actually make it for real. Three measly credits. Credits will do fine. Patrons, thanks for being here. We love you so much. Everyone, thanks for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you. 